0: So we have two stories today. Um, yeah, I saw... I was mostly like, kind of thinking about this thing, which I thought was, like, hilarious, like, what's happening right now. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I-, I saw, like, you prepared one story, I prepared one. Um, yeah, I guess you want to go first?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I do want to go first. <laughs> All right, sounds good. I think it's pretty hilarious.
1: Um.
0: So this story has been making the runs lately um, in the chip manufacturing work. And the, uh-huh. and, the, and apparently Arm Triner has now gone rogue. So this sounds like basically something from the movies. Wait, where wait. so companies... like
1: the China branch yeah. of Arm.
0: Um Okay. So Recently, um, China has declared independence from its... Um, um, from Arm Limited, which is a UK-based uh, company. Mm-hmm. And they have not cleared... They've recently declared that they have... Um, they have renamed themselves to be a new tech company within China. They have started to develop their own intellectual properties. Mm-hmm. And... They'll, and I assume they'll now like start to reduce the connections with arm um, Limited. The legal relationship here is still very gray. Um, and it has a very long, interesting story that led up to this point too.
1: I see. Okay, so yeah, I, I just have like a bajillion questions right now. Like, for, for one, like, I don't think companies are like countries where you can just arbitrarily declare independence. Because, like, aren't there things like boards and like stock shares or something? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I would imagine you have like, there has to be some guy with uh, an outsized share of the company who's like, okay, time to leave. Right or something like that, right?
0: Yeah. So um, it's funny that you say that, and of course, it's probably the same thing that our listener would think as well, which is that like how could a company just go on rogue, right? So here underlines a very unique distinction between running a business in a Western country compared to running a business in China, where you have this one party political system the distinction here you know if i were to summarize it in one sentence is that when you do business in china you do business first with the government and then you do the rest of the business
1: i see is it kind of the um legal thing where china requires any business like any foreign business to be partnered with a chinese company Mm-hmm. Is that the same thing we're talking about?
0: Yeah, so it is definitely relevant, um, but it's not quite the same thing. So okay. when Arm China f- first was conceived, um, they've already sold 51% of their share to Chinese companies. And this oh. is likely the requirement that you were talking about, which is that like in order to do business here, we need the majority of the business to be owned by... Chinese nationals or Chinese entities.
1: Yeah. My understanding is like it either has to be a quote unquote Chinese company, which means most of the shares belong to China mm-hmm. or you have to partner with a Chinese company and that has implications on your intellectual property.
0: Right. And so that puts, um, limited on um, UK, you know, pretty interesting position. Because even though they sold majority of their companies to Chinese entities, they still own they still have most of the share. Or uh-huh. at least they have most of the share out of everyone who has shares, but it doesn't have majority. Because the mm-hmm. fifty one they sold was distributed amongst a few different companies. Okay. Um, but that's not what was interesting about this particular bit, because um when Arm China first came along. They appointed mm-hmm. Alan Wu, so a person, as mm-hmm. their Arm s- um, China CEO. So okay. Alan was uh, so Alan was born in China, but is an American citizen, and essentially just w- worked up the ranks within Arm, mm-hmm. and pushed very heavily for the inception of the Arm um, China branch.
1: So he's an American. He was appointed by, like, the UK mm-hmm. arm. Yep. Okay, but this guy also was the person who was like, let's make the China arm. <laughs> yeah, yes. Wait, so so who's, yes. whose side is he on? Because I, I originally thought, like, he would be a, like, Western country supporter mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. of person.
0: Yep. So Alan Wu was supposed to be fired by arm at 2020, around, like, april ish so the board came along and voted seven to one against alan so everyone okay. against alan to mm-hmm. have him renounce his position as the ceo of arm china and this happened because alan was you know, not a good guy he was definitely using let me rephrase that abusing his position as the ceo of arm for his personal gain So he started this company, or this personal investor, personal investment fund. And he'll make promises such as, like, if you invest in my fund, you'll get processors for the cheap from ARM. So very, very clear conflict of interest.
1: And probably, like, a bunch of other stuff, like buying cocaine on the company card or something like that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So Arm um, wanted him to leave and had him fired, except he just didn't go. So... Okay. um, He just stayed at the company, kept on acting as the CEO, and then started to use Arm's... China's resource to defend himself against ARM or ARM Limited or ARM UK. So, (laughs) so here's when things get real spicy. Mm -hmm. Um, Not only that he didn't leave, he then started to clean house and would fire anyone who is still loyal to ARM UK or ARM Limited. He then... Um, hired his own private security to stop any ARM representative to enter the building of ARM China.
1: Holy crap.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So um, here's where it gets interesting, right? Because, you know, if you are a company in the US, you get voted out by the board. Uh Uh-huh you know as a ceo you're supposed to represent investors interest if you get voted out you leave right it's legally that you have to leave yep mm-hmm. this is not the case in china so in china the ceo holds the ceo of the company so okay. like as a representation you can think about this as the key to the city
1: I see. Yeah, the way I thought of it was like the like back in the day when you had kings and whatnot, they would stamp the official letters. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that's what it reminds me. Stamp
0: of. too, like in order for oh, okay. an entity to be official, like there's a stamp, and you need to physically stamp. Yep.
1: Then it's effect- Then it's effectively a dictatorship, right? Because then, what's role like? What power does the board actually have to depose the CEO who has that stamp?
0: Right, and in this case, very little. Because you okay. know to fire the CEO, you need the CEO's approval, except the CEO doesn't want to leave and just kept on running the company. Okay. Not only that, the CEO then hired private security to escort anyone who comes from the opposite representative. And not only that, then started to use Arm um, trainers, bank account to help his own legal defense
1: oh my god wait so, can't arm like freeze their ip and bank accounts from being accessed by arm china so um i believe
0: arm china has stopped sharing ip uh sorry i believe arm uk has stopped sharing ip with arm china uh-huh. but the bank account is under the authority of the chinese government to whom i see decided oh there's nothing illegal going on here you just everything is cool, you just need the CEO of Google <laughs> to let him go, and then, you know, we all sorted.
1: Okay. Wow.
0: <laughs> and bear in mind that I think at that time, it's estimated that Arm um, China has about 500 to 600, to 600 million in its bank account and mm-hmm. it's probably then boosted by the fact that Arm um, China delayed the payments to Arm um, UK for its, for its, for its intellectual properties I see so now we have Alan Wu who sits on the throne of Arm China who is using the resource of Arm China to fight against Arm and even though the board wants him to leave because he's been invested he's been doing dodgy business Uh he's not leaving and no one can make him leave
1: (laughs) (laughs) wow yeah so Wait, so are are we basically caught up to present day now?
0: Yep. So now it comes to present day, Arm China has essentially gone rogue. They've said, uh-huh. oh, we, we are now formally declaring the fact that we are an independent company. We were uh-huh. born from Arm, but independently operated Chinese-owned company.
1: Uh-huh. And
0: they have known to develop their own intellectual properties too so Uh in their most recent independence uh conference i suppose they said that they are now developing new chip designs such as this neural processing unit for ai i see um so i guess it's just like fascinating that arm has essentially lost the chinese market altogether because they can't directly license their IP to any Chinese company without mm-hmm. going through Arm um China. Mm-hmm. And now Am um China is a complete dictatorship dictated by Alan Wu.
1: <laughs> yeah, like it, it really yeah. makes... It really feels so sketchy just trying to do business in China because yeah. it's a huge market. You think, oh, wow, I'm going to like capture this great market. It'll be amazing. Mm-hmm. But everyone kind of forgets that you play by different rules in China. Yeah. And Like, yeah, it's like your IP is not your IP anymore if you choose to work in that country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like, yeah, I don't yeah, really know what to say. It kind of sucks. China is ARM's um, second largest
0: market, too. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the own Chinese homegrown manufacturers license their IP from ARM. Mm -hmm. And it's estimated that roughly about 95% of those companies are designing ARM-based chips.
1: Mm, So
0: it's a very large market. And it's, um, it's very unclear, like... It's very unclear how um can approach the situation going forward of course they do have the option of going to court and i think they are already pursuing that option but that might take years as you as it would with any kind of legal
1: dispute and the way i think about going to court is like what's the point if you don't even agree on what's the law because this is on an international basis Right. Where and I imagine from the Chinese perspective, this is totally fine. Of course, from a Western perspective, this is terrible. Yeah, But there's I mean, already a fundamental disagreement there.
0: Yeah, to be clear, I think there is a possibility for Arm um, to invalidate the SEAL from uh-huh. Alan Wu's position. Mm-hmm. Or I guess from Alan Wu's possession. Mm-hmm. But it would just be a very tedious process. And in the meanwhile, see. like it is worth bearing in mind that there has been an ongoing negotiation for Nvidia to acquire ARM. Uh-huh. That's currently under like the scrutiny of EU and also China too.
1: Yeah, how does Nvidia feel about what's going on with ARM? Mm-hmm. I imagine they're less excited about this acquisition.
0: Yeah, it's is I mean, when that news first came out, it was kind of like a, a great move by Nvidia, right? Because now they can uh-huh. extend their technology into so many of these smaller developers. Mm-hmm. But given the fact that the second largest market for ARM um, has just gone rogue, it really puts into question as to you know why is Nvidia buying here? <laughs> Is Nvidia buying ARM <laughs> yeah. um, UK ARM um, US, or is Nvidia buying the entirety of ARM? Um, you know, perhaps SoftBank, the current owner of ARM, wants to solve this mess before they sell ARM um, to Nvidia. Perhaps, perhaps Nvidia doesn't care, right? Is there's so many questions here, but
1: the story. I don't just, think any good company would just not care about this,
0: right? And what I mean by they don't care is that. Um, perhaps they have something prepared for situations like this. So perhaps Nvidia already have a very good good relationship with Alan Wu, right? <laughs> mm, <laughs> Who knows? I see. Yeah,
1: yeah. Maybe they can spend Nvidia's money to buy cocaine as well. Hmm.
0: Hmm. So yeah. Um. i'm I'd recommend this block. Um. I I Uh had to recommend this blog from Semi-Analysis, which Uh uh, I think very appropriately titled The Semiconductor Heist of the Century.
1: I see. Yeah. Wow. Fun stuff. Yeah. I feel like the takeaway is just be extremely careful if you do business in China. I I don't know what else to say with this. Yeah.
0: So do you think it's more of a fact of doing business in China or doing business with Alan Wu?
1: Um, I mean, of course, there's a bit of both. I would say, like, Alan Wu is the catalyst, but it seems like the incompatible legal systems is the actual problem itself. like this would not have been a problem if a ceo like alan wu were a ceo in the united states like the board would just get rid of him in a second there would be relatively low drama the company would go back to its normal operations and everybody's happy maybe not the old ceo but you get my point right um so what i'm trying to say is that there are lots of bad ceos or lots of bad eggs as individuals who pop up here and there and mm-hmm. if you have a solid legal system you have the measures to get rid of them and preserve the company's state
0: right.
1: what's what's enabling all of this drama to happen is that the chinese government does not agree whether the board or the ceo is the quote-unquote leader of the company And so now you have a forking of the company. Yeah. So Um, it's not, um,
0: there is some political element here as well, right? So, Uh you know, if the 51% share thing has demonstrated anything, is that the Chinese government is very much in favor of keeping uh, authority within the business, within their borders. Yes. Agreed. Here, you know, I think perhaps if the Chinese government can install someone in their favor Uh into um, China, they would very much, they would very likely pursue the option. I think here, the political element is that they probably don't want to remove what seemingly like a pro-Chinese CEO with, another ceo chosen by the western influencers
1: if that makes sense i can see that
0: because it's not just the investors it's also you know when i first said in china you do business with the government first and then you do mm-hmm. business here the government would really like to determine whether if the successor is somewhere and they approve or not
1: yeah it- Uh, What I was going to say is like, it seems the priority is like a loyal CEO first and then a good CEO second (laughs) rather than flipped Mm -hmm. um, because I would say Alan Wu definitely checks one box and does not check the other, but maybe checking the correct boxes is all he needs to stay in power.
0: Mm -hmm. And this is despite of the fact that there's a seven, seven to one vote. Yeah. in the um, China board. Even the Chinese investors would want him all.
1: Really? Wow. Okay. So... Well, maybe those those Chinese investors are not actually loyal Chinese people, you know?
0: Oh, at least, you know, they heavily invested in Arm um, and doesn't want this dodgy business going on in their <laughs> valuable company.
1: Yeah, they don't want their stock price to just <laughs> yeah. tank. Yeah. Yeah. So wait, is ARM UK and ARM China still sharing the same stock and um, everything?
0: That's a very good question. I do not know. Okay. I assume that was never the case. They must be, given the case. Um, given the fact that ARM UK probably just received intellectual payment from ARM China. But they were never okay. considered the same legal entity, i.e. share the same stock. Okay. Yeah.
1: I see. Well,
0: that's um, fun. But yeah, um, let me ask you a question, Andrew. Yeah. Um, what do you think is going to happen in the future?
1: Future? Yeah. Re- regarding this whole arm fiasco. I'm very pessimistic The Chinese government will just lay down and let arm reunite. (laughs) If I were to bet money on it, Mm -hmm. I would imagine that ARM UK would be the one to try to make a compromise. Right. Yeah, that's just my two cents. Like
0: Yeah. So you could literally say that ARM China has literally Armed China. Yes, (laughs) it has (laughs) Um, Yeah, I very much agree I think the solution that I see most likely happening Is probably a buyout from Arm Mm -hmm. Perhaps they can pay out Alan Wu with a handsome sum And relative low consequences Regarding his actions To Mm -hmm. buy themselves out of this position Mm Mm-hmm but given Alan Wu's action, it's very clear that he doesn't want to leave, and mm. he's not willing to. He's not pulling punches in order to maintain his power.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, the the yeah. worst part is even if you buy someone out, there's no guarantee that this won't happen again. Mm-hmm. Like, you bribe yeah. Alan Wu out of this CEO position. You get, um your next CEO, let's call him Andrew, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then Andrew turns out to be a totally <laughs> bad CEO. Yeah. Um, I guess you're gonna bribe the new CEO too.
0: Yeah, I mean just because Alan Wood can make these can take these actions doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, arm um, can't take these actions. So there has definitely be precedents of, you know, people stealing the CEO. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. within Chinese business. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't quite remember which company it was, um, but I do remember a co-CEO stealing the seal from a CEO who refused to leave and then fired him on his behalf.
1: Oh, wait. So this the physical seal itself is the thing with power?
0: Um, oh, at least in that particular case. But okay. here, what you need to realize is that everything is very... Morally and legally flexible, and it's more uh-huh. about what the government and what the Chinese core determines at the, at the end of the day. I see. If the court determines wow. that here the CEO has a the power, then the CEO has a power. If the court determines that here the person has a the power, then the person has a power.
1: I see. Yeah. Wow. Fun stuff.
0: Yeah. Exciting. Right. I'm super yeah.
1: excited to see what's going to happen. All right. Get ready for your. Um Arm shorts. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this uh, this story will be continued.
1: Yes. Okay. Uh, anything else on the arm stuff? Nope. Nope. All right. Cool. Let's talk about my thing. So mm-hmm. are you familiar with ProtonMail, just for my context?
0: Yeah, very much so. Um, my understanding is that it's kind of a, like a very... My understanding is, is that it's a privacy-focused email client. So mm-hmm. a lot of my friend that are more kind of privacy conscious and you know not willing to use Gmail and not willing to mm-hmm. kind of look at ads, all recommend me to use ProtonMail mail.
1: Mm. Yep, you you basically got it. So for those who are out of that loop, ProtonMail is basically the like default quote unquote privacy email. Um, so it's like a relatively small Swiss company. Um, they make it such that all your emails are end-to-end encrypted. So with normal hosting providers like Gmail and whatnot, in theory, they can actually look at your emails, although in practice they don't. That'd be a terrible idea for them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Proton Mail's like, hey, we give you privacy. We can't read your emails. They also provide a VPN and other fancy stuff.
0: Oh. But so this how... is... What's up? Uh, mm-hmm. So how Swiss is Proton ProtonMail? Um, let me explain that question. So, okay, <laughs> I think the word Swiss company actually has lots of context attached with it, right? So people uh-huh. usually think that oh, it's a Swiss company, meaning that it's not going to give up their evidence to international authorities, or especially you know the FBI or, or the CIA. But uh-huh. in in reality, a lot of Swiss air quote company are not. Uh, may only have a small company registered in Switzerland but have their server and their head office in like Bulgaria or Ukraine or any of the legally ambiguous European countries?
1: Uh, Uh, So my understanding is that ProtonMail was in fact founded in Switzerland mm -hmm. and indeed has servers hosted in Switzerland. Is that to answer your question? Yep.
0: Yep. So it's 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 a it's a Swiss company. well, So it, like it's, it's like an a home actual Swiss
1: company. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. Thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't think they can um. Hand over like, encrypted data or anything, mm-hmm. but there's still a problem here, as we might have seen very recently. Um. Basically, what happened is that the Swiss government um, was trying to track down a French climate activist. It's actually, that's a Ooh. rabbit hole of its own because, like, apparently this French guy was uh, organizing school sit-outs or something.
0: Right, okay. And that's... It,
1: it's, it's like its own rabbit hole where it's mm. like every Friday, like, students would just go hooky and then just, like, sit around <laughs> because of the climate or something like that okay and um, the
0: government doesn't like that
1: yes the government was not a fan of it mm-hmm. so it came to the point where the swiss authorities were saying like hey proton mail we know this guy uses proton mail so we want you to start doing ip logging on this guy mm-hmm. so whenever this guy logs into like french climate guy at protonmail.com Find out what IP that is. Um, start doing browser fingerprinting so we know a bit more about where this person's coming mm. from, when they're logging in, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right now, um, you would imagine that as the privacy email provider, mm-hmm. they don't collect any logs and that stuff. Right. Unfortunately, that's actually not the case. So very specifically, their original privacy policy says that they don't collect logs and IP data by default. Now, what does that mean? Um, That means, (laughs) yeah, by default, it seems pretty private, but it seems like they reserve the right to actually change that should the correct situation arise. Um, So yeah, like, uh, what's happened is now the authorities, so the Swiss authorities, and probably by proxy, the French authorities, now know this guy's IP address and browser, like, different aspects of this person's browser, and so they can actually track this person down. And, like, there's one conversation about, like, sure, like, law enforcement catching random people, but then there's also the question of, like, has Proton Mail duped its users? Cause right. Cause there was some expectation of privacy, which just got thrown out the window.
0: Yeah, because I thought as part of the Proton Mail marketing, they specifically say that they do not record IP.
1: Yeah, um, that's as they call um, it's called bullshit. <laughs> so no, no. I mean, like to to be fair, they did not explicitly violate their privacy policy just because of, Mm -hmm. like, the two words by default.
0: I suppose, you know, there's a version of the story you tell when you put it as the most prominent thing on your website, and then there's Mm -hmm. a version of the story you tell when the user clicks accept term and conditions that's 300 pages long.
1: Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Like, (laughs) this was... Like, this was the narrative that they were trying to sell their users, mm-hmm. and then this was like where the fine the print yeah, it was like the matter of the fine print kind of like screwing someone over.
0: Yeah, so did Proton Mail had to comply in this case because it's specifically the Swiss authorities?
1: Um, Yeah, I believe legally they had to. Or my understanding of the law is like, if it's a serious enough crime, they have to comply. And so the Swiss authorities said, turn on logging, and uh, ProtonMail was like, okay, sure.
0: Right, and even though it was a foreign national, right here in this case, this is a French activist. But I suppose, Um, as you mentioned here, the Swiss authorities by proxy the French authority, too.
1: Yeah, I believe it doesn't matter whether it's, like, someone from a different country. As long as it's the Swiss authorities asking ProtonMail, um, it's, like, they're legally obligated to do so.
0: Damn. Okay. I guess, I suppose, it's really making the news because of the... It's really a reality check for... Privacy-focused individuals who actually heavily rely on Proton Mail, right?
1: Oh yeah, like, like the illusion um, has
0: been shattered.
1: Oh yeah, like I kind of sympathize with a lot of these privacy people because, like to a degree, I'm very into privacy as well. But you have to kind of distinguish between practical, real privacy and kind of like the idealist version of privacy. Because, like, you can be very privacy-minded and still use Gmail. Like, Mm -hmm. those do not conflict with each other. Like, different habits that allow you to operate in the real world are not mutually exclusive with being private. But, yeah, one of the most dangerous things about being a privacy idealist is that you kind of make assumptions just because someone says they care a lot about privacy. They actually do. And this is kind of one of the main cases. Now, um, VPNs also have a very big um, privacy concern because for VPNs, you have to trust your VPN provider, Mm -hmm. which is a huge assumption. (laughs) And so, like, to a degree, it always upsets me when everyone, like, I I don't know if you get those, like, YouTube ads and whatnot, it's like, everyone's advertising a VPN. It's like those paid sponsorships directly to the YouTubers, Mm -hmm. where they're saying like, hey, um, use a VPN, you get all this privacy. And it's like, you guys don't actually know what you're talking about.
0: Right. Because in reality, what's happening here is that you're just moving your trusted party from one to the other. So previously you trusted that.
1: No, exactly. Like you trust your ISP versus you trust your VPN provider. And like, depending on the legal circumstances, that VPN provider may be forced to either give up some keys or give up some logs. Um, yeah, like you don't know if a VPN provider is actually keeping logs of your actual IP and your actual requests and all that right. good stuff. And having a
0: dodgy VPN provider is actually much more damaging than having a dodgy email provider, right? Um, because your VPN provider is now also visible to your to the entirety of your traffic, so it's not just what's in your email, but also which website you used, what are some of the search terms you used, if you if your connection wasn't encrypted using HTTPS, um, they can also do things like deep packing inspection to check specifically whether if you're pirating any movies or any music, so like. Ha- you have to evaluate VPNs very, very carefully as to how much you trust them.
1: Yeah. Like I would trust like a reliable ISP or a big tech company. That's like actually semi-decent than any sketchy VPN, for instance. Um, Mm -hmm. Just because in practice, like, what do you think is going to happen? Like someone who sells you privacy, may not actually be worth trusting.
0: Yeah. I mean I mean which when um when the FBI comes on and knock on the door, which one which company is more likely to defend themselves against a request, right? Whether if it's gonna be a large yeah. internet provider or whether it's gonna be a small company that's based in Bulgaria. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Sorry to, like, uh, no, I, I don't know if I feel like I should apologize for our one and only, oh, I guess, zero Bulgaria listeners because I dropped it twice during this podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, apparently we actually made, like, the top 50 in Madagascar, like, a month ago or something. So um, shout out to our Madagascar viewers. Yeah, we
0: love you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so another thing I do want to talk about is alternatives to protonMail like mm-hmm. what should the perfect tinfoil hat do mm-hmm. And hopefully by now we've established that trusting a third-party email provider is actually a lot of trust. Trusting a VPN provider is also quite a bit a lot of trust. Mm-hmm. And so for email, at least, I can't help but think that um, self-hosting is the only way that you can do things without having to believe that your provider is not logging your activity. Mm -hmm. Of course, that's very impractical to like self-host your email, at least at scale. And then it also kind of makes your physical server a target. So like suppose that you're some person that's, I don't know, a climate change activist or whatever. (laughs) Um, You self-host your email. It's conveniently now located in France. Well, now the French authorities can just raid your tiny server rack and just check it out or whatever. Right. So that has its own drawbacks, too. It's kind of very hard to have a perfect ideal solution to all of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that's pretty much all I have on ProtonMail. Like, yeah, it's fascinating. It's, it's fascinating stuff. It's sketchy stuff. <laughs> the one big takeaway, I would say, is to have a realistic view on privacy, not an idealist's view, because you're likely to just get very much into trouble if you kind of stay in an idealist's utopia mm-hmm. without actually a strong grasp on reality.
0: Yeah. And this is not to say that you shouldn't be using ProtonMail, but rather to say that there's often a disconnection between the marketing from a company and the actual terms and conditions.
1: That was fun stuff. Talk to you later, and thanks for listening.